Hello, hello, you're listening, you are listening to, to SRM Student Radio Master Command on 107.5 FM.
Good evening and thanks for tuning in. Those are some awesome tunes by the group Atlas. We will talk a little bit about that later. But this is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham doing the tech today. And in the studio, we are very glad to re-welcome or welcome back the students from the European Careers Association. Uh, Leonie, uh, you'll be the host tonight. Yes, hi guys. I'm Leonie. I'm the editress of Blue and Yellow. Um, that's part of the European Career Association and it's a blog where we just write about the current EU affairs. Um, I personally study the research master in European studies. I'm in my last year now and uh, yeah, with me today are two of um, the blue and yellow writers. Maybe you guys will also want to introduce yourselves. Right. Hello, I'm Norbot. I'm also part of the ECM Blue and Yellow. Um, I study economics here at Maastricht and I'm really glad to be here. Hi, my name is Beatriz, uh, I'm from Spain, and I'm currently studying my second year of European Studies Bachelor, and really excited to be here. What are we talking about today, guys? Today's topic is really going to be just about Eurovision, and some of the intricacies, some scandals within it, and the implication that it has on European politics. Great, I'm excited, so stay tuned. Thank you very much. Yes, me too. Very much looking forward. But in the meantime, we have some more tunes, some banging tunes from Atlas. Enjoy. Student Radio Maastricht on RT 107.5 FM. Thanks for staying tuned in. And by the way, thank you very much to the group Atlas for providing us with this banging tunes. By the way, Atlas is actually quite new. The ideas appear around the end of 2022, but it's only after after if, after some thinking and planning that they were they launched on 21st of February 2023 on social media platforms. Um, this was started by Claudio who is 21 years old, moved to the Netherlands just just one year ago, originally from Romania, grew up in Brussels, and has a massive passion for electronic music. And in the studio we have today students from the uh, from ECA, the European Students 
Association. Yes. Thank you very much, Leonie. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a fantastic host. Um, please, you, you, you had a very nice short intro. And yeah, maybe you can uh, tell what the topic of today once again. So the topic of today, we will talk about Eurovision and how it's related with European politics uh, as well as worldwide. So who doesn't know, Eurovision was created in 1956 by the European Broadcasting Union and was basically to foster collaboration and cultural exchange among European countries after the devastation of the Second World War. So having us the first uh, Eurovision Song Contest took place in the May 24 of 1956, which countries participated in, such as Switzerland, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands, so the first countries uh, of creating the European Union. And right now it has more than 40 countries uh, in the contest. Uh, also before, we have countries like Yugoslavia or Serbia and Montenegro uh, competing together. And yeah, it's pretty competing contest and really excited to see every single May. Right. Um, it's also interesting to note that there is the big five countries within the Eurovision. Um, three of them actually include the founding members, um, would be in Germany, France, um, and I think United Kingdom, but also Italy and Spain. So those fives are those five countries are automatically granted. Um, entry into the final of the show, um, apart from gaining the viewership, that also ensures the financial stability of the contest. Um, so yeah, those are big five. Um, apart from that, there's a certain procedure, um, the voting procedure of the contest. Um, there's a few steps that normally go through that. Um, so the national um, committees um, or contests are held in each country. So each country has the autonomy over deciding how they want to choose their participants. Um, some of the countries have big festivals such as San Remo in Italy or Melody Festival in Sweden that also gain a lot of viewership. Um, but once they made it, they make it to the official contest, there's two semifinals with jury voting and the vote from the public. But in the final of the show, um, the public of each country votes for their favorite contestant and those votes are graded on a scale from 1 to 12 12 being the highest and 10 being the second highest then there's jury voting which um, grades points similarly and those points are combined in the final of the show exactly for example i'm from spain and we won eurovision two times in 1966 and 1967 Uh, but then we have more countries that has compete and win more times. For example, Sweden, that is the winner of this year, or France as well as Portugal sometimes. And mm. I mean, speaking of Sweden, ABBA is, I think, the most well-known um, music band um, that came from the Eurovision Song Contest. And I mean, I would say most of the times the Eurovision Song Contest is kind of within their own bubble when it comes like to the music branch, but... There are always the, the few exceptions, uh, let's put it that way, that do make it quite big, um, as ABBA, for example. Right. I think it's also interesting to note that one of the recent acts, uh, Maniskin, also managed to gain worldwide success True, yeah. after Eurovision, which is not normally the case, which is also interesting. 
Yeah, also it's interesting that next year uh, is the f 50th anniversary, yep, is it? 50th anniversary. Of ABBA. So Sweden is going to host next year Eurovision. So let's see how it's going to be there. Right. There's been a lot of conspiracy about that on Twitter and so on. <laughs> But maybe we can talk a bit a, lot, a bit more on, on the conspiracy side in the next section after a short little music break. Thank you. 
staying tuned in. This is Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham doing the tech here. And what you were listening to there is some amazing banging tunes by the by the group Atlas. I'm saying it's a group because it was recently founded, as I said earlier, by Claudio, who recently also came to Maastricht. And by the way, this track you can find on SoundCloud under the name Claudio at at Caldeche Basement by Atlas. Like I said earlier, this was founded by Claudio on his own with the help of his girlfriend uh, right from the beginning. And yeah, really, really great, grateful for, for sharing this music, uh, Claudio. And in the studio, we have uh, European Careers Association students. So um, with Leonie as a host and two other students from the Blue and Yellow blog. Uh, Leonie? Yeah, thank you guys for staying tuned in. We're talking about the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, that happened last week, but also giving a bit more of a background on its history and maybe some controversy surrounding it and maybe also the politics. And it's actually what we want to talk about in this section. Um, yeah, explain to you um, the entire controversy with Russia and Ukraine, but also the Armenian-Azerbaijan conflict, um, why Australia is part of it, um, why Morocco isn't part of it um, and what happened in Estonia. So please stay tuned. Exactly. So I think we'll start off with one of the recent controversies between Russia and Ukraine. So as we know, their relationships have been rather complex ever since the invasion in Crimea in 2014. Um, and that translated into the contest itself. So 20 in 2016, the entry from Ukraine that was sung by Jamala entitled 1944, um, reference the deportation of Tatar people um, in USSR and was obviously very political in its context. context. Um, surprisingly, it won that year. Um, and there was this interesting moment in the final um, where it was um, a battle essentially between Russia and Ukraine and everyone was guessing who will win. But Russia, Russia eventually came in second. Um, and that... Um, that year there was a huge viewership so it was really political per se um, so the ever since then their relationships have been rather bumpy they haven't voted for each other and obviously that translated onto the contest itself yeah exactly we also see going more to the east of uh, Europe we have Armenia and Azerbaijan they started to compete in the late 2000s and since their start, they have been having problems with each other. For example, in 2009, some people from Azerbaijan were reported because they bought in the televote to Armenia. So they were reported by the Azerbaijan police. Also, Armenia's entry in 2015 received a uh, name change following the claims uh, it contained a call of recognition of Armenian genocide, so they have to change it because it's not nice. And right now, with all the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan in the Nagorno-Karabakh, they, of course, they don't vote each other and they try to, in each song, to kind of like call the other out. But they are not the only countries outside the European Union that are competing in this contest. So why is Australia competing in Eurovision? So that's actually a really interesting point you brought. Um, during the 60th anniversary of Eurovision, um, which theme was Building Bridges, um, they, the associate member of European Broadcasting Union Australia was invited to Europe as 
sort of a sign of friendship. Um, and ever since then, they competed in the contest. Yeah, actually, the same happened with Israel participation. Uh, for example, Israel was able to enter in the contest after the Israel Broadcasting uh, Authority was really active member of the European Broadcasting Union. So they decided to join. Uh, but unfortunately, we lost a country in our way. Morocco was... Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's actually interesting how Morocco only participated once in 1980, didn't perform well during that night, and then never really joined the contest. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, um, I mean, we mentioned uh, some of the, the conflicts right now, but especially with Russia and Ukraine, like, um, did they participate this year? Because I can imagine with Russia being very, very unpopular at the moment, they might just being excluded or not wanting to participate. And same goes for Ukraine, um, that there's a lot of other yeah, stuff on their minds than, than participating in the Eurovision Song Contest. Right. I think, yeah, that's a definitely a good point. Um, uh, Russia and Belarus were actually banned from the contest. I'm not sure if it's permanent um, or temporary yet, but most mm -hmm. likely permanent. And Ukraine was actually co-hosting the Eurovision for this year since um, they won in 2022 right. with their song Stefania. Um, yeah, it was um, uh, just adding to that. It was a really long decision-making process for where they're going to host it since they couldn't really host it in Ukraine. So where did they host it? They ended up hosting Liverpool. it in Liverpool for this yeah. year. Do you know how that came about? Like, it seems uh, the Eurovision decided to um, see what they have to do it and open a contest to see. So the second winner was, unfortunately, United <laughs> Kingdom. You would uh, have preferred to be in Spain or what? Yeah, we uh, and the third... We were the favorite in the televote and also yeah. the from the national juries, but at the end we ended third and the guy from United Kingdom ended second. So mm -hmm. it was actually performing this year, I think. Okay. Right. And I mean, you, you said that Ukraine won last year and that also the Eurovision Song Contest takes place in May and uh, the war broke out in February. So do you think there was a connection between Ukraine winning the Eurovision Song Contest and mm. the war? I mean, yeah, I think definitely a lot of people noticed that um, Europe, the Ukraine won, won with a lot of votes in televoting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of European viewers felt really connected to the song and it also decided to show their support in different ways. Right. Also, a lot of national reporters that uh, proclaim the votes of each country uh, in every single speech that they do is like, we stand with Ukraine wisdom with you and all that stuff and they after they give their points so i think it also help but ukraine won a lot of points in the telebo it was actually crazy when i saw it mm -hmm. right yeah i think the whole yeah the whole um ukrainian solidarity rhetoric was still in this year's contest since it's still very relevant to the cause mm. and yeah it was interesting to see a lot of ukrainian flags and solidarity chants and talking about flags, uh, I think that two years ago or three years ago when I was uh, in Israel, the contest, I think it was the Iceland um, delegation that uh, pulled out a Palestinian flag in order to report what Israel is doing in Palestine. And directly the police uh, arrive and take off the flag. It oh, was wow. actually so in camera. Crazy. What is your opinion then on how politicized this is? Do you think that's a good thing that makes it more interesting or do you think it should be m like mainly about music um well i thought it's really a big 
thing for Eurovision um, and a big point of discussion each year, mm-hmm. whether it is too political. Well, it definitely is political to some extent. A lot of people are arguing that it shouldn't be. But um, I was just thinking about how when it's so embedded in the idea of Eurovision that it's your nation, it's really mm-hmm. hard to stay um, apolitical. Right. Um, when you have representing your when you have your countries represented. And a lot of times we don't even remember the names of the acts, but just remember the name of the country that won. So it really is very political in its nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. For example, uh, we couldn't be like that high, in, for example, in the voting. If, for example, in the case of my country, Portugal or France didn't vote to us. In the t- case that they didn't vote to us, it's kind of like a political statement. Uh, especially as well when we see the Scandinavian countries voting with each other. It's also kind of like cultural way and historical roots that you share together. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned, the block voting, is also really interesting to look at. How there's this northern, eastern, probably southern block as well. Um, and I think one of the examples is how post-Soviet countries tend to vote for each other. So we see that happening a lot with Ukraine, Armenia, Azerbaijan. Um, we had it with Belarus and Russia up until this year. Yeah, as well as our little country, San Marino, that always vote for Italy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But nobody's voting for Germany. <laughs> but that's, that's maybe something we can we can discuss in the next sec- section because actually there we want to then talk about what happened last Saturday, um, who won, and maybe also go a bit into yeah the drama and, and gossip um, from last weekend. So please stay tuned.
Back to the Student Radio Maastricht on RTO on a 7.5 FM. My name is Sham, doing the tech here. And what we're listening to there is an amazing set by the group Atlas. This one, many thanks to Claudio uh, for for sharing it. And towards the end of the show, we'll, we'll mention a little, little bit more about why we are playing this one. But for now, we have the students from ECA. Thank you, Leonie. Yeah, Please. I think, hi everyone. Um, again, I think, yeah, in this section, we want to talk about uh, last week's Eurovision Song Contest and yeah maybe one of you guys can start off um, with who won and what's your opinion <laughs> right Sweden won the last time last Saturday it won with 583 votes um, came second in televoting came first in a jury vote um, and it was Loreen with her song Tattoo which was really exciting which then um, not all Eurovision fans were happy about especially with Finland coming first in a televote from the people. So, Bea, what do you think about that? I actually think that uh, I'm a really happy flower person. So I think that if you win already once, to give the chance to other new artists to come and participate. I personally think that the 
uh, song of Lorraine was really, really nice, was really commercial. And of course, we know that the juries of the different countries love that. But to be honest, the cha-cha-cha song was really, really nice and really weird, the <laughs> performance. So that was good. So I guess it was the winner, like the people's winner. What's the cha-cha-cha song for everyone who, who did not watch the Eurovision Song Contest? Was that Finland? Yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right. I actually, I gave four votes for <laughs> Sweden from, uh, from SMS. So I was really happy last Saturday. But yeah, I see the frustration for a lot of people who thought that Sweden already, uh, just for those wondering, Sweden won in 2012 in Baku. Um, that was, again, Loreen with her um, song Euphoria, which a lot of you might... I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah for the club nights. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah, it was really popular back in the days and still is, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, also we have other surprises like Israel getting third with his song Unicorn and the dance break, kind of like a copy of last year Spain. I'm yeah. really nationalist in Eurovision, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, really liked by the jury. I think uh, Israel came second for the jury vote, which was also one of the controversies of this year because a lot of the public didn't really like the presence of the jury and its heavy influence on the contest. Yes. So. Has that always been the case, that the jury is so involved? Mm. Yep, I think okay. uh, back in the days it used to be even more involved, but now, as we mentioned, it's half and half. Yeah. Which um, would be fair to some, unfair to others. Um, we can also see that a lot of times the jury vote and the televote is really different. So um, yeah. a lot of countries get a lot of points from jury, but then end up not being enjoyed by the public, which is the case. Exactly. Also, uh, this year in the televote uh, time, uh, especially when they connect with the different countries, we have like a lot of controversies for example uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan that before as I said they are in conflict I think that was the Armenian uh, person saying like yeah we are strong with you Ukraine stay strong and then after giving 12 points to Israel as well to Azerbaijan giving as well 12 points to Israel uh, then also we have the not really understandable votes such as Portugal voting for Australia for some weird reasons, as well as Belgium voting for Austria. And then we see the different interests of Norway, that they vote to, uh, to Sweden, as well as Finland voting for Sweden, but then Sweden then decided to vote for their brothers and vote for Czechoslovak the Czech Republic. We are not. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, it was um, also interesting to see how this year Ukraine still got a lot of votes that came in fourth at the televoting. Even though juries didn't seem to like it that much, it came at number 15 for the juries. Mm -hmm. yeah. so exactly. But if I can jump in here right now, I mean, in the last section, we talked a lot about the block voting and we also talked about the politics and its influence. And I mean, that's still relevant in the case, right? But what you were just describing also shows that maybe it is also a bit about the music. <laughs> and yeah. like, you can't right. say that like all the blocks always vote for each other. Like, for example, now with Sweden or um, definitely. Australia. Okay. I think there's um, a lot to do with music and it's definitely not as, politi as political as it might seem. Um, it's just that sometimes blocks do happen to occur. Um, but uh, I think in the case of Sweden, 
uh, for it was almost a sort of, un- um, of united decision of both juries and televoting and all the countries to support the country. Mm. Um, so yeah, it also comes in um, really handy, and it's an interesting fact that the next year is the 50th anniversary of ABBA's victory, and um, Sweden's going to be hosting it. Yeah, so controversial. Also, a lot of people said that uh, Lorraine copied some songs. For example, the start of the song is like, I don't want to talk, but maybe we both know this is not a chance. It's time to say goodbye. Remember into the winter, the winter takes it all of Ava. Right. So, yeah. Also, we see a lot of controversies. For example, one of the Czech Republic um, singers, uh, It she has... Uh, Russian heritage or Russian national and uh, the Ukrainian delegation wanted to kick them out because it was not representing you know like it was the country that they are, have a war with but then the song of Czech Republic ended be a, a actual like support to Ukraine talking about the sister's crown and we sang with you right I think speaking of controversies it's really interesting how a lot of aspects of Eurovision are really thought-provoking for some societies because remember when in 2014 um, I think it was Conchita Wurst who won the Eurovision. She made a lot of buzz in the media and especially in the Russian-speaking parts of the world. It was, um, it reached the point where actual politicians made statements about that and for them it felt really politicized and really um, some even called it a soft sort of a propaganda Mm-hmm. So I think that performance was really um, changing for the culture of the time. It was really I mean, for the, all those who, who don't know what we're talking about, Conchita was, was the artist from Austria, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, she's correct. Uh, well, she's, I think she's a transgender we, woman. Yes. We, and she, but the way she looks is you can still see like she has some male features um, a beard, for example. Right. So she was standing in this beautiful gown. Um, and I think it was very good to, you know, be promotive also of the LGBTQ plus um, community. But of course, in a way, it's also then political. Right. Um, I think um, a lot of the people mentioned that some of the, some of the countries taking part in the contest uh, promote um, discriminatory laws within their jurisdictions uh, i think armenia azerbaijan um, russia and belarus in the past maybe some countries from the balkans so that was also one of the discussion points whether Mm -hmm. they should really um, be part of it since the values of eurovision don't really match with their actions true yeah exactly normally each eurovision song tries to talk about love about respect about support and then there is this kind of approaches are really really political and doesn't help to the vision of the whole contest mm-hmm. great i think adding to the diversity point um during the selections for a lot of countries um people in the comments people throughout those countries um really seem to notice when a country is represented by someone who wouldn't um conventionally be considered of that sort of ethnicity or nationality for I know for Lorene, um, she has um, she's actually of North African descent. She's she's Swedish from of North African descent. And that also happened um, with Mahmoud from Italy, yes. who I think is Muslim has Muslim descent, 
and is Italian of, um, I think, also North African descent. But I mean, even more important than that, you know, those everyone has uh, the right or has the same chance, right? And it's, it's given a yeah. voice and it's more about their song and, and representing, yeah, the country, right? Um, yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing and also maybe bringing countries together, even though, you know, some might have some questionable um, rule of laws or human rights uh, in incidents. Right. Yeah, it's so diverse that we can see in our own languages. For example, the requirements of a Spanish song, it has to be at least... 70% Spanish and then some English uh, connotes and also it's really um, good to see that France always almost speak, uh, sings in French as well as uh, Romania last year talking about Hola mi bebe he was speaking in Spanish and it was so nice right. uh, and also the teleboat can be done in French German and English if I am not wrong mm-hmm. Exactly. I think uh, what you mentioned, Bea, with the uh, diversity of languages is also a really great feature of Eurovision. So there has been this ongoing trend that for the past um, couple of years, um, the winning songs tend to be in, at least partially in the native language. Uh, we saw that with Italy, where the song was fully in Italian, with um, uh, Portugal in 2017, where it was fully, and with uh, Jamala that we already mentioned 2016, where it was a mix of English and Tatar, which is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And who came last, guys? Your country, <laughs> <laughs> Germany. Germany came last. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I had. I did not follow it this year, but um, it has been an ongoing negative trend, I would say. Um, and United Kingdom ca- coming second to last, which. I guess it's a pity because they were the host country. Um, big yeah. of a f- bit of a fall after <laughs> last year. Really? Um, I think that her song was really, really nice. It was kind of, you know, really conventional. but It was really catchy. But um, just a quick moment from, I remember when in 2021, um, a few contestants actually got zero points in the final. Yes. It was a really interesting moment. A f- some of them being UK, Germany, and I think... The Netherlands and, of course, Spain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like w- Eurovision is going on year per year. And of course, each country will have the opportunity, I hope, to be hosting the contest at least once. So yeah, right. let's see. <laughs> well, I'm excited for next year and maybe I'll tune in to see if ABBA makes a... <laughs> um, a guest appearance um, or at least some songs I'm, I hope would be played because I'm a big ABBA fan myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, do you have anything to add to this section? I hope one year the teleboat is free because I don't want to waste my money in voting <laughs> the countries that I want. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think know. that's uh, actually interesting how they're trying to push this, pushing this televote, maybe like the commercial part of it. Mm-hmm. but yeah for sure well let's hope it it sticks around in the future and i think um we'll have some quick music break and then we'll draw some conclusions um so yeah thank you so much
Student Radio Maastricht on RTD 107.5 FM. My name is Sham doing the tech here and what you were listening to there is some amazing banging tunes by the group Atlas. Thank you very much, especially Claudio for sharing this track, this set. It's a two-hour set as I mentioned earlier on SoundCloud. Do check it out. And I said earlier why we are playing this music. It's because Atlas is organizing an event at the Landbau Belong this weekend on Saturday the 20th featuring other artists and uh, DJs like Ro- Roberto Loza, which who we have also played on student radio before, this DJ uh, Yorov, Claudio himself, and Noeli. So um, yeah, definitely if you if you if you if you're looking for for a party scene this Saturday, you know where to go. This is the place to be, and maybe I'll see you there. And in the meantime, we have some concluding remarks from the student group ECA. Thank you very much, uh, Leonie. Beatrice and Noor, please. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for having us um, so far. Yeah, we just wanted to give a quick summary of uh, what we talked about uh, today with the Eurovision Song Contest. So, yeah, Bea, do you want to jump right in? Yeah, sure. So uh, we know that Eurovision was created in order to unify countries and in order to unify people through music. And unfortunately, during all these years since its foundation has been really controversial, not only for the participants, but also for the different songs, as well as the political situation at the moment. So, yeah, Uh, speaking of politics, I think we covered a lot of recent controversies and conflicts between the countries. We mentioned how Russia and Belarus are no longer part of Eurovision. Um, and how the conflict in the the war in Ukraine affected the course of the contest. Um, there were a few interesting ones uh, with Morocco and Israel, and also how I- Israel's and Australia's participation came around, um, and the block voting of how different countries with similar cu- culture tend to vote for each other, uh, making it a little bit political in its nature. Yeah, let's go. Let's hope one day they are, again, only for the song and not for the politics. <laughs> right. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for sharing your expertise and also your opinions. Um, it was really, really great. I also learned uh, quite a bit. Um, and now a bit for the promo of ECA, of course. Um Next Monday on the 22nd of May at 6.20 p.m. Um, at the Law Faculty at Maastricht University in the Festsaal, we will have a huge um, event. It's called Careers in Diplomacy, um, where we'll have three guest speakers. Um, so if you're around, if you're really interested um, in foreign affairs and diplomacy specifically, check out our Instagram, eca.maastricht, um, or on our website, eca.maastricht.org. Um, there you can find more information and also the link. And of course, um, Blue and Yellow has its own section at the website. Please check out our articles. Um, we also have our own Instagram account. It's um, ECA Blue and Yellow. Um, so head over there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Um, it's been really, really great. Um, thank you for hosting. Um, and I hope we'll see each other Yeah, after the summer break, actually. So, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And indeed, like you mentioned, thanks to RTV for letting us use the studio. And before we forget, thanks to Fish for the amazing photo for this episode uh, cover. And uh, we'll leave you with some more uh, of this banging tunes.